Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. This morning, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, I also want to look at Matthew uh, chapter 28, uh, the last few verses, Matthew chapter 28, the last few verses. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus said these words in uh, Matthew chapter 6 when he was speaking uh, to his disciples and to those that were gathered around. Uh, of the importance of not worrying about our lives. Tell your neighbor, don't worry. Be happy. Um, And now you're going to sing that song for the rest of my message today. Uh, But there's such an important understanding that we have to realize in our lives um, as believers, if you're here this morning, you're going to hear me. If, you, if you've never given your heart to the Lord, you're going to hear me talk about uh, being a believer. And uh, if you're listening to me online or if you're uh, listening to this podcast later on, you're going to hear me a lot of times when I'm preaching talk about being a believer. I preach a lot from that perspective because I believe there are some things as God's children that we oftentimes forget about because we get overwhelmed with life. Not only that, but if you aren't a believer, if you've never given your heart or your life to the Lord, I want you to understand that with God, it's not about rules and it's not about regulations. It's about life and life more abundantly. What it is to be a believer is to experience life with God. It doesn't mean that because you're a believer that you don't face trouble and that you don't face hardship. How many believers in the house, you faced trouble and you faced hardship? Amen? Every single one of us, Jesus told us in John 16, 33, in this life, you will face trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. My mission, my call, the reason that I do what I do, the reason I get out of bed every single morning is so that I can tell as many people as possible that there is a God in heaven, the only God, the true living God, the heavenly Father who loves you and has a plan for your life, that in your trouble, in your hardship, he never intended for you to go through it alone. He never intended for you to make it by yourself, but that he positioned you and I for such a time time is this, to experience life and life more abundantly, full of his love, full of his joy, full of his peace. As believers, we have been given this hope because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. This verse, Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, is to underline the importance for us that the first thing that we do every single day of our lives, in every area of our lives, is about seeking him first. Tell your neighbor, seek him first. 
There is no substitute to seeking God first. There are a lot of things that we can seek, and there are a lot of things that we can rely on. There are a lot of things that we can fix our time and attention on. But at the end of the day, if you haven't sought God first, you are positioning yourself for failure. You are positioning yourself for disappointment. You are positioning yourself for for depression. You are positioning yourself for all of these things because you have forgotten what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. The biggest thing that plagues every single one of our lives is worry of what might be, worry of what could be, or worry of what is. But Jesus said, don't worry about your life. When you seek first, it removes the worry and places in and the Spirit of God in its place positions faith in your heart that gives you hope, that gives you peace, that gives you joy, that gives you strength, that gives you confidence, even in the darkest moments of your life, even in the deepest valleys, even when the mountain looks bigger than what you have ever seen in your life. Connor, you don't understand the situation that I'm in. You don't understand the struggle that I'm facing. You don't get what I'm going through. If you were in my shoes, you wouldn't have hope. You wouldn't have peace. You wouldn't have joy. You wouldn't have life. You wouldn't be up there trying to convince me about how I need to walk in the abundant life that God has for me and not spending it worrying at all. But friends, what I'm here to tell you is that by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, you now have life as a child of God. What you're currently facing and what you're currently going through is not final and it's not forever. Tell your neighbor, it's not final. It's not forever. Tell him again, it's not final and it's not forever. See, the enemy would have you to believe that the season that you're in right now is final and forever. That this just is how it is. That there is no other way. That you're not going to be able to see or experience the things that he's preaching about. You're not going to be able to see or experience the things that he's talking about. But friends, I'm here to tell you that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that you could experience the power of his spirit, so that you could experience the life that he to offer and walk in the joy and the hope and the freedom that he has called you to. That when you're in that deep dark valley, you'll remember what David said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why? Because even in my deepest darkest moment, when I feel surrounded on every side, I am reminded that the King of kings and Lord of lords the creator of heaven and earth, God, the heavenly Father, isn't off in some far distant place, isn't seated just up on a throne worrying about what he's got today, but in fact, he's walking right beside me. He's ever aware of what's in front of me and what's behind me. He sees every threat from every side, and he's come to remind me, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your season. Just rest in the fact that I am with you always. Whoo, Jesus. Tell your neighbor, he's with you always. He is with you always. Tell your neighbor, be content. 
Paul made a declaration in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. If you understand the premise of what Paul is speaking to Timothy in that letter, he's reminding him of the importance of focusing on what God has called you to first. Of not getting caught up in the lies and the traps of the enemy. Of not being swayed or moved by false teachers who will tell you all what you want to hear, but never what you don't. Be careful if all you hear in your life is what you want to hear. Be careful if all you hear in your life is what you want to hear. You need to find some people that love you and love you enough to speak the truth to you in love. Not that they cut you down, not that they beat you down, but that they speak the truth to you in love. Because those are the people that will speak wisdom into your life, that will carry you to places that you never thought possible. Because when you hear truth in love, it brings transformation. It brings life. It brings encouragement. Paul makes that declaration to Timothy and says, don't get caught up and running after all the things that make you rich, all the things that make you have more, all of the things that make you seem better, be, but be content with what you have. The thing that's so important about that, the thing that's so important about that is the understanding of this. Being content with what you have the lie that we fall for is that we believe that if we're content with what we have, we'll never have more. If we're content with what we have, we'll never experience more. If we're content with what we have, we'll never see more. We'll never experience more of what God has. But the truth is, is when you and I come to a place, when you and I come to a place of being content, what happens is we position ourselves to experience from God like never before. Because when you find somebody who's content, when you find someone who's not worried about what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is saying and how everybody else is doing it, but you find somebody who is content and who they are as a child of God and what His Word has spoken about their life and the promises that He has given, what you find is they're just a little bit different. They're not worried about how everybody else talks and how everybody else walks and how everybody else does things, but rather their eyes, it's like their eyes are fixed on something else. It's like their focus, as Austin was talking about at the end of worship, is fixed on something else. In fact, it is. Their focus is not on me, but it's on the only one that matters. Because what happens when we come to a place of being content is we position ourselves before the Lord to say, God, no matter what, tell your neighbor, no matter what, no matter what comes my way today, no matter what comes my way tomorrow, no matter what I face, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, my hope rests in you. My faith rests in you. My trust rests in you. What I'm going through is not final and it's not forever, but rather I am content because I have 
all I'll ever need and more. I have all I'll ever need and more. When you find someone who's content, you find someone like Paul who said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Even if my very life ends this afternoon, all I've done is one because God is alive and on the throne. Even if I face hardship after hardship, I've still won because God is alive and He's on His throne. I've reached a point that when the worship team gets up and sings on Sunday morning, it is well, it is well, it is well. I can sing it from the bottom of my heart because even though in the eyes of the world there's nothing about my life that seems well, there's nothing about my life that seems right, Connor, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what I'm facing. You don't understand what I'm walking in. But let me tell you something, friend. When you sing and when you declare, it is well with my soul. Heaven, heaven rejoices and hell trembles. The enemy shakes because he knows he's met a match of someone who refuses to let their season, who refuses to let their circumstance, who refuses to let their situation define who they are and what their future is. It may look like I'm in the valley today, but two years from now, six days from now, 30 seconds from now, I may be on the highest mountain of my life. I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to worry because I am a child of the King. Jesus. Jesus, help us. God, help us to gain that heart. God, help us to gain that level of contentment. When you seek Him first, everything else is secondary. I preached that at the beginning of this year. When you seek Him first, everything else is secondary. Nothing else matters when you seek Him first. The reason that Jesus gave those instructions was because when we seek Him first, we cut out the unnecessary drama that's associated with our lives. I hate drama. I hate drama. Anybody else hate drama? I hate drama. I don't have time for it. Well, she said that he said that they did, and I'm like, hold on, stop, time out. Hold on, where are we going with this? I don't, I hate it, I hate it. Because all it does is stirs up a whole stinking mess of emotions. Let me give you some biblical truth. When somebody comes to you and says, well, they said, stop them right there and say, let me go and have a conversation with them. We have gotten so bad about failing to confront in the church. We'll talk about it to everybody else except the person that we were told said it about us. You ever played the game of telephone before? You get a line of people and you send a message through and they have to whisper it so that nobody else can hear it. Nine times out of ten, the message comes out something totally different than what was actually said at the beginning. Life is so much that way. Life is so much that way. Tell your neighbor, cut out the drama. We got way too much to worry about in this life and drama ain't one of them. We don't have time for gossip and we don't have time for talk. We've got a mission. Tell your neighbor, you've got a mission. 
you've got a mission. If somebody said something about you and you've gotten word about it, you go and have a conversation with the somebody that said it about you. Because nine times out of ten, you'll find out that what was said was taken out of context and was really just a ploy of the enemy to get you offended. Because if the enemy can get you offended, you stop seeking first and worrying about everything else. See, the thing about offense and the thing about things that happen like that aren't about, aren't about what's being said and what's being happened. The enemy tries to get you and I to zero in on that. Because if you can be so mad that so-and-so said that about you, then what happens is you take your eyes off of what's most important. Your eyes, become, your eyes become focused and fixed on what people are saying about you and what people are doing to you and how people are treating you instead of the only one that matters. But when your eyes are fixed on Jesus, the rest of that you don't have time for. Friends, I got news for you. Everybody's going to talk. People are going to have something to say and people are going to have opinions. If you try to spend the rest of your life trying to change everybody's opinion, you're going to miss the mission that you were given and the destiny that God has for your life. That's the ploy of the enemy because if he can keep the church running around in circles chasing their tail it's less ground he's losing in the kingdom of hell but God has called you and I for such a time as this to recognize the tactics of the enemy and to call it like it is and to speak truth in love and to recognize that God has put you and you and you and you and you in my life that he has called us to be united as one body that we don't have time to run our mouths about each other. We don't have times to worry about what we're facing today and what we're going through tomorrow, but that we should be fighting to defend one another and lift one another up in prayer. Instead of worrying about it, pray about it. Why? Because you're seeking first. You're gaining a perspective from heaven. Then when you respond, it's out of love and out of the mission that God has given you to preach the good news to the world. The enemy wants you chasing every worry that he can fix your heart and your life on so that you fail to seek first. Because when you seek first, you get instructions from heaven. You get insight from heaven. You get the inside scoop to what's really going on and to what's really happening. God reminds you that your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. That no power in hell has authority over your life. Life, but because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you, you can speak with the authority of heaven and take captive every lie and every tactic of the enemy. You can position yourself to walk in the fruit and the calling and the power of what God has placed within your life. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, seek first. seek first. You spend your whole life chasing after what people are saying about you. And worrying about what you're going through. You'll never take the time to seek first. And you will spend years. Years in a season that you should have only spent months in. The Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness. Because their eyes weren't fixed on God. Their eyes weren't fixed on the Lord. They robbed themselves of the promised land. A whole generation of them died without ever crossing into the promised land because their eyes were fixed on me, 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 me. What's happening to me? What I don't have? What I want? What I deserve? What I should get? What I'm, what I'm faced with? What I'm going through? Instead of being fixed on the Lord. 
and remembering that he'll take the Red Sea and split it wide open and give you dry ground to walk on. That when your enemy comes in like a flood, he'll take an ocean and drown them. That when you're overwhelmed and overcome, that God will remind you of his word and his promises. Tell your neighbor, fix your eyes on Jesus. The word says, fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter, the finisher of your faith. The word reminds us to walk by faith and not by sight. If you walk by sight, all you'll ever see is the mountains that are in front of you blocking your way or the valleys that you're in that seem so deep you'll never get out of. And you'll buy into the lie. (laughs) You will buy into the lie that God is not there. And that if he really loved you, you wouldn't be in the place that you're in. If he really loved you, you wouldn't walk through the things that you've had to walk through. But friends, I'm here to tell you this morning... (laughs) In every single season of your life, He is there. Every single season of your life, He is there. When your heart has been so broken, you didn't think you'd ever be able to find joy or life again. He was there. In every season, in every moment, He was there. When you can declare from the bottom of your heart with every fiber in your being, God, it is well with my soul. God, it is well with my soul. You are not waving a flag of surrender. You are not giving up on your pain and your fear and your worry and your disappointment. But in fact, as a child of God, you are standing with boldness and declaration with an anthem of victory from the bottom of your heart that my God is on the throne, that he has not forgotten about me. He has not left me. He has not abandoned me. He has not forgotten his word and his promises to me. And though it may be the darkest moment of my life, it is well with my soul because when he was crucified and buried three days later he got up and he overcame death hell and the grave so even if I die in this valley even if this mountain crushes me by the weight and its size the enemy still loses the enemy is still defeated because what I have gained and what God has given is life to me and there is nothing in this world that can take it from me. There's nothing out of this world that can take it from me. And in fact, what you'll see is God move the mountain. (laughs) You'll see him lift you out of the valley. You'll see him fight off your enemy. And you'll walk in victory. (sighs) None of my staff has waved at me. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Haley. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to stop. I know. I don't want to stop, but I'm going to stop. Seek first and be content. If you needed a title for this message, if you've been taking notes, this isn't a traditional message that I would give, but the title of it is Seek First and Be Content.
seek first and be content. This is what Matthew chapter 28. <laughs> Matthew chapter 28 says, I want to read this to you because the church, not just Camden First Assembly, but the church. And I believe we are one body. <laughs> and I thank God for the pastors and the churches and the men and women of God that there are all across this city and this county that we have the privilege of serving with to fulfill the mission. But the church has been given one mission. The mission of Camden First Assembly comes from this right here. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Listen, doubt's never a bad thing. It's only bad when you refuse to take your doubt to the cross. Take your doubt to the Lord. Your questions aren't too big and they're not too hard for God. The thing that will destroy us is when our questions feel too big and we refuse to take them before the Lord. It's then that we're robbed from the life and the answers and the revelation from heaven that we need. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. He has never left you. He has never forgotten about you. He is with you always. And you have a mission. I have a mission. We have a mission to complete. To go and make disciples. A disciple is another believer who is walking and talking with Jesus every single day. Why would I ever want to go through this life by myself? Why would I ever want to walk through this world running after things that can never bring life, joy, hope, and peace? Listen, if that word was for you this morning, I just want you to lift your hands right where you're at. And I want to pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are in this room, hands lifted. Those who are watching live, hands lifted.